Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of March 4th, 2019. On today's show, all the details about the new Hagrid's Coaster at Universal and Disney's new plans for Epcot. But first, let's bring in the man who is the inspiration for Hagrid's beard, one Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? Truth be told, Len, I, I actually posed for Fluffy. <laughs> I had to do three different expressions, but the three-headed dog, there's an amazing like this. <laughs> One day, some random Imagineer or uh, designer, ride designer is going to do a shout-out to us. It's going to be very, very subtle, but it's going to happen. I know it. All right, Jim, before we uh, talk about the, all, all the new details here and we talk about uh, the latest news, let's do a quick shout-out to our subscribers over at DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers, Dearest Scooter, Debbie and Rue, and uh, Jim, am I understanding this correctly? Your ex-wife, Fab Shelley? Well, Plus. yeah. <laughs> the, the certain photographs. I, I don't want to get into it, but yeah, yeah she's a subscriber now. <laughs> also, long-time subscribers, Polymon, Paul S., and Jeff MC. Mm-hmm. You know, Jim, I was wandering through the Canada Pavilion last week, mm-hmm. and it occurred to me that the whole thing needs some sort of interactive element. And you know what I thought, what I had as an idea for that interactive element? I'm shuddering, but go. <laughs> An axe-throwing contest. <laughs> like, right up on the elevated stairs, we get a bunch of people, a dozen axes, and a couple of targets, and we just start throwing, maybe while yelling in our best Canadian accents. <laughs> We're just talking about my ex-wife. So, handing her <laughs> no, an axe, coincidence, huh? could I perhaps be behind? As opposed to standing in front. <laughs> and because they're Canadians, it wouldn't really be a competition because everyone's way too friendly. Oh, sure. For that, Jim. And that's where I think it would be great to have Dearest Scooter, Debbie and Rue, Fab Shelley, Polymon, Paul S., and Jeff MC to run this axe-throwing thing in Canada. Because they're the kind of friendly, supportive people that you want when you start tourists chucking around sharp forestry equipment. Right? Again, it's I a w- plan, Jim. It's a plan. I just want to... <laughs> Stress to the Disney lawyers that, again, it was Mr. Testa that floated this. Yeah, let, her test it. let me know if you need the address to send that cease and desist. There we go. <laughs> what am I saying? They already know the address. That's fine. <laughs> there we go. So. <laughs> All right, Jim, let's, uh, let's do the news. Don't forget the Disney Dish News is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish. For a worry-free travel experience every time, book online at storybookdestinations.com. So, Jim, this last week when I was in the world, we noticed that uh, Disney's testing the new Skyliner mm-hmm. at near full capacity now. Empty gondolas, but they're uh, a full capacity of empty gondolas on the, the lines. Have you seen this? Yes, and I, I wanted to talk with you about this. So okay. now that you've seen these things zipping along. Yeah, much faster. They move much faster than I thought they would. Okay, how much of the online community has been obsessing on the whole point of there is no onboard air conditioning? There is... The fact these things will be set up in such a way that they'll have airflow. Now that you've seen them move, is this still a concern of yours, or no? That it went the the speed of the gondolas that I saw went a long way towards me feeling better about having airflow Mm -hmm. through there. I think the big question is now is how big the openings are going to be in the windows to let the air in. Mm -hmm. We know that there are going to be plastic. Mm-hmm. coverings over most of the windows so people don't fall out. Mm-hmm. The question is, how big are the openings to allow the airflow in while still keeping everyone safe? But the other thing I, I just find hilarious is the folks who hate the Skyliner 
hate the Skylander. In fact, just this past week, there was an incident, uh, SeaWorld San Diego, where their gondola system got shut down due to high winds. And it was just one mm-hmm. of these things where immediately the, well, you see, this is why, because, you know, of course, we never have high winds in Florida. And it's like, guys, this is a system that was put in place in the 1970s, whereas, yeah. you know, this is a brand new state-of-the-art system being, you know, installed in 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. It's not apples and oranges, it's kumquats and peaches, but you get the idea. It's just sort of like, let this work. I feel like there are so many people who are so heavily invested in, I do not want this to work. And it's just sort of like, I'm sorry, it's going to operate the way Disney wants it to. We're going to see how it does capacity-wise. There are challenges. We've talked previously about what happens when Epcot closes at night and the whole world walks out the back yeah. door after a Oh, by the way, uh, the last time I was in Epcot, which was, I think, Tuesday, mm-hmm. there were construction barriers around the backside of the International Gateway shop there. So it looks like, remember we had talked about this, that there was a possibility that Disney might route guests around behind that International Gateway shop to get to the gondolas. It looks like there's some sort of clearing going on there for that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just watch the space as we head into the summer, Lynn. So here, Jim, here's the thing I wanted to, to talk to you about. I was walking from, uh, I was waiting for a friend who was walking from the boardwalk area mm-hmm. to go to Hollywood Studios last week. Yep. And I was waiting on the south side of Buena Vista Drive, sort of you know, checking out the gondola station area where, where they're going to they're deposit people at the studios, mm-hmm. but also the new, the new bus area, which is vastly improved mm-hmm. at the studios. And I started walking towards the boardwalk villas, and I went under the underpass on Buena Vista Drive. Mm-hmm. The way that the gondola system goes to um, to Epcot mm-hmm. from Caribbean Beach, right? If you're thinking about it on a map, the logical thing that Disney would should have done if they wanted to minimize the distance, mm-hmm. right, the cost of stringing all these lines, was to go from Caribbean Beach and angle the line up towards Epcot. So imagine a clock face mm-hmm. where uh, Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort is the center of the clock. Okay. They would have run the line so that the clock hand was pointing at about 10 or 11 o'clock okay. to get to Epcot. Makes sense. Instead, they pointed it down to like the 8 o'clock position to a point between the studios and the Epcot resorts right around Buena Vista Drive. So they went down when they should have went up. And I was standing there thinking, why on earth would they have done that rather than put it on the other side closer to Epcot? Okay, this system isn't necessarily stopping at Epcot. By doing the the 8 o'clock position there that you're talking about, when the system continues on, to Disney Springs. You can see from the way it comes from the studios over to Pop Century Art of Animation and then continues on from Art of Animation to Caribbean Riviera and then to to Epcot. There's kind of a maximum length that you can do these things on the individual legs. That's supposedly what got factored in here, that if if they were making the decision to position things now for future expansion, it was crucial that they pick that sort of 8 o'clock position and that further on down the line when we get... And I want to say that there are they're going to need to do two legs to get you as far out as Disney Springs. We had been talking earlier about Saratoga because mm-hmm. that's what's kind of counterintuitive 
about they want to be able to position the station for Skyliner basically at the far end of Disney Springs and in sort of a Venn diagram that works for guests who are staying at Saratoga, for folks who are staying at Hotel Plaza, and for people who are already at Disney Springs and would like to continue on over to Epcot and the studios and that sort of thing. So I've been trying to get them to talk about, so clearly there's a station in between, between Epcot and Disney Springs. And so it's like, okay, so where is that? Because as you and I have, have talked about, when right. this goes in, that then becomes an amenity for whatever hotel you do this at, in much the same way as a monorail hotel. And I guess that's the other thing, that, that they are already talking about the price jump that at both Prop Century and Art Automation that keys off of the Oh, I haven't, heard, I haven't heard this. What, uh, what are you hearing? I would just suggest for folks that if they're booking for, for 2020, do it soon. Start book now and lock in those rates? Yeah. I, was, uh, I took a walk around Pop Century and Art of Animation. I was a, it was a busy week for me last week. So I took a, a walk around. I mm-hmm. uh, took around both of them. I love how they've done the, um, the Skyliner station mm-hmm. over, over there. It is beautiful, especially at night. It looked really, oh, yeah. really, really good. Mm-hmm. And you, the way that you launched like right over the water. Mm-hmm. That was super cool too. I uh, I liked it quite a bit, but but going back to this thing with um at the studios, yep. like when I was standing on the other side of uh, of one of us to drive, so I was looking north towards Epcot. I was looking east towards Caribbean Beach, mm-hmm. and if you stood at your tippy toes, you could actually you know, see the entrance to Hollywood Studios. And I'm looking at the way that they did this turn, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking there's there's no way that you would put this here mm-hmm. and have this turn have you know reflect this specific geometry mm-hmm. unless you were planning on doing something else with it to the west. Like there's no way that you pick this spot right here mm-hmm. unless there's some unseen step yep. in the future no. going to like Coronado Springs. No. Okay. You've nailed it. And it works that way at the exact opposite end of what okay. they've done so far with Skyliner. So it just they haven't bought all of the Legos yet, Len. That's all I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> not all the not all the Tinker Toys are in place. Yep. No, but I, I invite our listeners, like the next time you guys are walking from the boardwalk resorts over to uh, to Hollywood Studios. Pause for a minute before you go under that bridge mm-hmm. and walk up towards the. There's a little uh, little uh, embankment you can walk up, uh, and it's paved. But walk up it and look at that station and think to yourself, why have this particular geometry here? Mm-hmm. Unless there's some other missing piece, and see what see if we can figure it out. Yeah. All right, that'll wrap it up for our news. Coming up after our break, Jim has all the details about the new Hagrid's coaster over at Universal and the Epcot announcements that happened on the same day. We'll be right back. And we're back. All right, James, busy uh, news week, both for Disney and Universal with announcements. You and I have talked previously on this show mm-hmm. about the one-upsmanship that was happening around the, yeah. the, the media <laughs> the press releases with this. Yeah. Destin Fuse actually drilled down into the code to get the exact launch. In fact, what's fascinating, Dustin was sharing a story about how when it comes to these sort of social media things, when you're, you know, you're choosing to announce your project by tweeting it out or Instagramming it, that sort of thing, you make the, the sort of conscious decision that you do not do it on the hour because, of course, you get lost in the actual news that the traditional media puts out there. So you time these things for, in this case, it was 11.03. And these things kind of hit right on top of one another. What I love about the folks at Universal is they will build things for months 
and not acknowledge them at all. I mean, did I ever tell you the story about I was down there for Universal Holidays uh, featuring Macy's event? And this was about the time they were building the Transformer attraction, which... You and I did a, sh- a live show where the building was going up, right? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And the thing is, I'm standing there with Tom Schroeder, who is the head of PR for the Universal Resort. I love this guy. So we're talking about the holidays, and I gesture toward the giant pile of steel and crane that's living in the background. It's like, well, yeah, you're going to have a busy holiday, but next year is going to be interesting. He says, next year? And he said, well, that. And he turned around and said, and he suddenly said, you know, a gog like, what is that? Oh, my God. You know, oh, oh, I have no idea what that is. This wasn't here yesterday. <laughs> well, no, that's exactly. <laughs> Tell you what, Jim, I'm going to go back to the office and find out what that is. But I, I, I will let you know. And it's just, I, I just love that. I just love that they do that. But it's been the same thing with the Hagrid poster. Oh, and by the way, we, we have to give a shout out to Seth Kabersky, who handles the the Universal Unofficial Guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see where when he was writing the entry for this coaster back in August of last year, he actually got the name right? I saw that, and I forgot to congratulate on him, yeah. uh, him on it. I so mean, congratulations again, Seth, you know, and, and, and as I, I said this past weekend, I tweeted out to him, it's like, that, you know, wonderful forecasting. You wouldn't happen to have the Powerball number now, would you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The lottery's coming up, Jim. Yeah, congratulations, Seth. Good job. Yeah, but we've watched this thing coming. The Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorcycle Adventure, given that it's in Islets and Adventure and it's just a five-minute walk away from the Jurassic River Park Adventure, I, I, you know, it's kind of a redundancy department of redundancy thing, Glenn. This is, in a lot of ways, the the attraction that Universal Creative put together to address all of those theme park snobs who basically say, oh, it's Universal. They own... It's all screens. It's all screens, okay? Yeah. Welcome to the attraction that addresses all of that. From the very moment you, you come out of the station and you're riding along in your coaster and right alongside of you is the Weasley family for Fort Anglia... This is a different attraction. You are supposedly traveling in and out of the Forbidden Forest from the, the Harry Potter mythology. So this will be fun on opening day. But trust me, Len, when you come back in year two, year three, after all of the plantings have grown in and, you know, right. uh, this is going to be one absolutely amazing ride. Well, we've seen from the um, from the aerial images that BioReconstruct has put on Twitter. Great Shout job, out to by the way. Yeah. Bio, BioReconstruct. Yep. Yeah, he's fantastic. I, does that guy ever actually stand on the ground? I think he's got some sort of Zeppelin or blimp. Uh, yeah, that's exactly. That's, you know, just, maybe it's invisible. I don't know how the Wonder Woman just, thing works, but maybe so. Just comes you know? in occasionally for snacks and you know, just yeah, back up but, again. I mean, he's, he's up there all the time. Okay. I don't, he's a fantastic job. Yep. I've... But starting, I think, late last year, mm-hmm. you saw from the images that BioReconstruct was putting out mm-hmm. that they're starting to put the forestry elements in place. Oh, yeah. And there's, there's, a, there's a lot of trees there, Jim. There's there a are. lot of trees going in. There are. There's also almost startling number. Again, this is a storytelling coaster. In fact, what's kind of interesting is, remember, that was the same way they described the Guardians attraction that's being built at Epcot. But of course, the Guardians coaster the cars themselves will turn so you will be facing individual show scenes, which right wonderful innovation, especially when they did it first with Escape at Gringotts. What's great about this one is there's supposedly 19 different show scenes. 19 on a coaster? Yeah. How long is this ride going to be? I'm being told it's a four and a half, 445 long ride experience. They've got to start doing the water dummies. Oh, right. Okay. 
you don't get real ride time, you know, a sense of real ride time till you 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 get weight in the coasters and but they're confident. They've already announced a June 13th opening date. I saw that. This is the summer of 2019. This is what, you know, Universal hopes will convince you that while you're in Orlando that you really got to come by. Why do you think they waited till now to make the announcement? Cuz when I was talking to to friends about this, mm-hmm. My my question was this: Most families, or many families, started planning their 2019 holidays in either late December or early January. And by now, some plans have already been set. Why would you make this announcement, you know, third week of February instead of like third day of January? What's weird is that Universal, much like Disney, is feeling the impact of people being unsure about when Galaxy's Edge will open. Ah, okay, okay. And so, you know, we're seeing a a hesitancy in in regard to people booking because they're like, well, I want to see Galaxy's Edge when I do my next Florida vacation. So you don't have to work hard to get people to come to Universal in the fall. You know, there's Halloween Horror Nights, which, by the way, has been expanded out two weeks now, starting at the beginning of September. In fact, they are really starting to work the Mickey's Very Merry Playbook. Start Halloween in August. Oh, yeah. And nothing quite says horror like, you know, stepping into an enclosed space when it's 100 degrees out. You know, you just... Oh, yeah. yeah. So that does, in fact, factor into why announce now. But at the same time, if we now pivot to what, you know, Disney announced on the very same day. <laughs> yeah. Coincidentally, yeah. a couple hours later, yeah. uh, Disney PR released some new concept art and details about uh, an expansion at Epcot. And it's a couple of different things, right? It's a new, it's a repurposing of the Wonders of Life Pavilion and a few other things, right? Yeah. And the Wonders of Life Pavilion, you know, when it closed, we've seen it come on and off the table depending on when it's needed for festivals or that sort of thing. The last time Disney did this, it's 1999. And Disney has decided that for the millennium, the park that people should be going to is Epcot. Because, of course, Epcot right. can, you know, has the largest capacity, 90 to 95,000. Yeah, probably closer to 100K, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and Kingdom, I think, still tops out at like 85 or thereabouts. What they did then, and this was also on the heels of having done the walk around the world and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, how much money they, they'd made selling those souvenir blocks during the, uh, in 96 for Disney World's 25th. 25th, right. So they decide we're going to do a similar thing. We, we then end up with the Leave a Legacy. Leave a Legacy t- tiles, yeah. Yeah, but when they initially built this, they thought that they were going to have the sort of response that they got to walk around the world. So they built 35 monoliths, all right, that range from 3 feet to 19 feet tall, with yeah. space for 700,000 of those one-inch little photo etching things. Then uh, yeah. they thought they had the right price point at $35 for one person and 38 for two. It's time to launch the Millennium at, at Walt Disney World. And immediately they noticed that, holy cow, people are having trouble getting in and out of Epcot because of our what John Hench, you know, the, the legendary Disney Imagineer, had hoped would be Disney's equivalent of Stonehenge. Don't get me wrong. I love John Hench. Mm-hmm. This was a horrible design. There's, yeah, it, was, it was really, really badly done. It was the first time that Disney felt that computer modeling bit them in the butt. 
Oh, because they modeled uh, they modeled it and it looked better. Well, yeah, they they had this amazing piece of animation, which sort of flew you up to the point between the the two sets of monoliths and and how they they beautifully framed Spaceship Earth and you had the Mickey arm with the two thousand at the top and it was like oh that looks beautiful let's definitely build that and then it's when you put it in the ground it's like oh my god we we didn't think about the people who were coming in and out of the park right. And I got to say, from eye level, it's just not. No, just not no, and, and never mind no. the fact that you know. Again, you created these giant sheets of metal on stone and placed them in the Florida sun. <laughs> just talk to the people in first aid, and they will tell you stories about the. I'm just going to lay on this thing for a moment, and <laughs> you know, uh, you know. There's, now you've got the uh, you've got the inverse image of a thousand people. There we go. Seared on, on, your, on your thighs in the back. Know. Yeah. Oh God. So. So here we are 20 years later, 2019, and mm-hmm. we're in the exact same situation. We're about to make Epcot the place you have to go for Disney's 50th. And it's like, well, ahead of that, geez, let's get this leave a legacy thing, which, by the way, they never managed to fill all 35 of the monoliths. I want to say they got as high and they began to scatter them to try to make it look like they were doing better than they did. I think they got 17 of them wound up with, with photos on them. Not even half, yeah. halfway. And I think some of them aren't aren't completely oh, full no, no, either. Oh, no, no, not at all. So they're moving that out. You're in the parking lot and you're walking up toward the entrance of Epcot. Mm-hmm. To your left, there's that little park area. Oh, it's going to be over there? Yeah. The joke in Imagineering is like, wow, the go visit your family and smoke area. <laughs> whatever, whatever you call it. Because that's what it's ultimately going to default to. That's just how it's going to be. And again, we're back to what they did over at Animal Kingdom to clear the walkway, to to make it easier for people to get in and out of the park. On the other hand, if we're talking about what they're doing with Wonders of Life... Yeah, new play pavilion. Let me tell you a story. (laughs) Go ahead, Jim. I'm I'm sitting back. Bob Chapek, for the longest time, has wanted to do at Disneyland what he calls a black box. The idea is to have this space within the uh, Disneyland park where... Say for three or four months out of the year, you could bring mm-hmm. back a beloved Disneyland attraction. A comparison would be, wouldn't it be cool if you were in Florida and Mr. Toad's Wild Ride came back for just a short period of time? Right, okay. Inside of it, you had a ride system in place that would allow you to do this, you know, that you could swap out show scenes or swap out sets or that sort of thing. Okay, I'm, I'm with you so far. Okay. Doesn't sound like a bad idea. Okay, so if you, you know that Bob has wanted to do this for years, take a look again at the concept art for the interior of the Play Pavilion. And notice, for example, you have these electronic mar- an electronic marquee that has an image of joy from Inside Out. Or if you look mm-hmm. across the way, there's Marie, the cat from Aristocats. Mm-hmm. This is what this space is going to be. The attractions within this space will change. Some of them will be film-based. Some of them will be virtual reality-based. Every time you come in here, there will be something new. Sometimes it will be tied to an animated film that's coming out soon. Sometimes it will be tied to a classic Disney property that the company's putting on a Blu-ray or DVD. But it will be constantly changing. And the other thing that the Imagineers are mostly excited about is in a weird sort of way, this will allow them to test drive IP and see what people respond to. From a downside point of view, I have to tell you that 
right alongside of this black box initiative that Bob has been talking up for years, right. there were a number of Imagineers who were really, 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 really pushing for the Wakanda, basically the sure. Wakanda Outreach Embassy. At Wonders of Life. Yeah, well, it, it, the thing is that if you, you remember from the movie Black Panther, when they showed you the, the shield that hid Wakanda. Right. It looked like a it looked like the dome of yeah, it did. Get it, it did. And ultimately what bit them in the butt here is that that what they wanted to do was to repurpose the motion based simulators from Body Wars. And the idea is that because of the way the master licensing agreement with Universal Parks and Resorts was structured with Mar the Marvel Entertainment Group back in March of nineteen ninety four Black Panther is a character that is covered by this. Right. But here's the thing. His royal guard is not. His sister is not. So if Black Panther really isn't in the pavilion, if you can only see him from the simulator ride, are we technically in violation of this East of the Mississippi contract? And I guess ultimately Disney Legal came down and said, well, yeah. And then the other thing somebody in Florida had to point out to the managers in California is like, you understand we've been stripping the parts off of the old Body War simulators to keep the Star Tours simulators up and running. Yeah, yeah you're not, there's no simulator that's going to happen there. Yeah, so in the end, that didn't happen. But at the same time, we go from, you know, a pavilion that focus on one IP to a pavilion that potentially will simultaneously celebrate two and three different IPs, and every time you come in, we'll have something different. The other reason this is coming back online now, I would head mm -hmm. to the 50th anniversary, is given the size of the crowds that are yeah. anticipated, they need it. They need this capacity. They need two and three other rides up and running just for the number of people who are going to be coming into this park each night to see Illuminations. And by the way, did you see from the Princess 5K event this past weekend, you know, all the people who were taking pictures of the the barges that were out on yeah. uh, World Showcase Lagoon putting the stuff into place for our new illuminations? Yeah, there's a, there's a ton of construction going on in World Showcase Lagoon. Some of it is on the islands where they're adding electrical components and other pieces of infrastructure, mm -hmm. but they're also sinking pilings yep. into the lagoon, and I'm assuming that that's for some sort of either show infrastructure or uh, a building or something like that. Something else will be there as well. Well, remember, again, we're going to have a lot of water screens of of characters oh so there's so this for the water screen yeah stuff. The, this is an ip driven the, show the other reason why i thought um disney was bringing back the wonders of life pavilion into a play pavilion is this it's right next to the entrance to guardians of the galaxy so for people who walk all the way over to that side of the park only to see a four or five hour wait in line they might want to take younger kids into the play pavilion and let them blow off some steam while everyone else is waiting in those lines? No, no, no. The, you've definitely nailed part of the Venn diagram here. We're just this side of Disney Plus launching. Oh, they could promote uh, Disney streaming things on it too. There we go. Got it, got it. All right, Jim, thanks for enlightening us on what's going on both at uh, Universal and at Epcot. Folks, that's going to do it for our show today. Our next show probably will be about Galaxy's Edge if it isn't already out. So go listen to that, kids, and we'll see you again real soon. Don't forget, we're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, whose voice I'm desperately trying to program into my Amazon Echo so I can say Aaron instead of Alexa. Don't forget to go on to iTunes and rate our show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. Virginia, this is Len. We'll see you on our next show.